what did you mean by that? <laughs> it's like, no, really. It's like, what did you mean by that? Um, you're a white man. <laughs> period. This actually happens to people like you a lot. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How was uh, Marquette Day, by the way? National Marquette Day. It was such a blast. Um, it was a really long day. Uh, me and my and me and Media started late, and it was still like we got there a little afternoon, and um, we I think we start so me and Media showed up late, but we we got there at noon. And I, my head did not hit the pillow to go to bed until 3 a.m. <laughs> oh, Ely. You got wear at noon. Um, Do you like, does every, explain to us how this works. For those of you who don't know, Ely was in Milwaukee for what, like the fourth time in three months. Um, <laughs> that was a joke because you were there for like three weeks. Very unfunny. <laughs> All right. I think you're just sensitive about it. Um, so how does this work? Like all the Marquettians, they go to the campus and get drunk. Like, is it school sponsored? I don't know how it works. Okay. So national Marquette day is usually just one day in a Saturday, usually a Saturday in early February, like the first Saturday of February, the Marquette basketball, men's basketball team and the women's basketball team usually both play a home game that weekend. And that home game is national Marquette day. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah it's like that's really like all that the university does they use it to like do a lot of alumni events because a lot of alumni come back to milwaukee specifically for national marquette day so there's a lot of like networking stuff the week leading up to it on campus um they have like a little i'm sure they have like some campus sponsor like pep rallies and stuff but mostly the students just use it as an excuse to day drink and night drink um yeah, and like all the bars in the community do like deals. They have the game on the TVs. Um, and it's just like a whole day. Yeah, I'm just like drinking and wearing Marquette gear. It's pretty lit. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, honestly. But so what we did was we we met up at Ian's um first because we all wanted to eat. They wanted to eat something because they went to Uncle Buck's on third and they weren't serving. Ian's. Um yeah, me too. Um, so and they much. weren't serving brunch. So we went to Ian's. It was so good. And then after Ian's, we went to Duke's on water and pretty much like spent the whole afternoon there. Um, we watched the game there. And like just to give you a <clears throat> give you guys a sense of how good the deals are, you can get like a pitcher of um of beer, like tap beer for like five dollars. And then, like, they were doing two for six Topo Chico's and, like. <laughs> Dude, I will say that about Milwaukee. You will never be, oh, my God, going there the drink, and the prices never. you pay for drinks. God, mostly dude. drinks. I was going to say drinks and food, but mostly drinks. It was crazy. insane. And that they will always have a leg up on anywhere else because of that. And the, the drink deals were going on, like, for the entire night. Like, it wasn't even just, like, through the end of the game. It was, that's like, the wild. entire night. So we were like, well, that's awesome. <laughs> so then after Dukes on Water, we went to Sobelman's on campus because, um, you know, nostalgia. And we had dinner together. And then we went to Murphy's, which is the bar on, like, there's two bars actually right on Marquette's campus. 
um, Caffrey's and Murphy's and Murphy's is where me and my friends used to go like every Thursday they would do karaoke. So we, and they would, they would do karaoke, $2 Miller lights and $2 bombs. So we would like spend the entire Thursday night at Murphy's and just like chill. It was so much fun. So we were like, let's go to Murph's. So we hung out at Murphy's for like a while and we were just like buying like rounds and round after round after round of bombs. Um, and then, uh, I had to get some coffee cause I was dying. I was like falling asleep. And then we like, we all got, we got two Airbnbs. So we checked into our Airbnbs and just kind of hung out for a little bit. And then we went back to Dukes on water for the rest of the night. Um, and yeah, that was pretty much it. It was pretty fun. Then was we had Ely, brunch together on was Sunday. Was hung over the next day? Mm. So actually I, <laughs> I was a little, I was wilder that weekend. So I was actually hung over on National Marquette Day a little bit, a little bit, because I went out on Friday night before National Marquette Day. And I told myself, I was like, I'm not going to get too crazy. I got a whole day of drinking tomorrow. Like, that's intense. Like, the worst thing would be to show up hungover to that. That's crazy. So I was like, I'm just going to play chill. I was like, I'm just going to have some. I was drinking Miller High Life all evening, but I got absolutely <laughs> fucked up on Friday night because um. And like the next day I was like, how much did I drink last night? And it was like, I had one Miller High Life before we left for the bar. I had two at the first bar that we went to. And I had a tequila shot at the first bar we went to. And then I had three more Miller High Lives at the second bar that we went to. And at least oh, two mean? more tequila shots. <laughs> and I know after one, you were like, ah. you're such a like Dude, tiny little person. I think that plays into the- it. It was like maybe an hour, maybe like a little bit before we left. I don't even know. Maybe it wasn't. I have no concept of time. Like, I don't even remember. I like looked over at my friend and I was like, I'm drunk. (laughs) Surprised you're able to tell a complete coherent timeline. Well, and here's the thing. The next morning I woke up and I was like, I feel fine. Like the next (sighs) morning I woke up and I was like, I was like physically like I felt like I had just, you know, taken a beating, but like I wasn't sick. I wasn't like, I didn't have a headache. I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> maybe it was, was like the excitement. Myself. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe when you hit 26, you get a extra boost of, I don't think that's true. Actually. I think the older you get, the, <laughs> the less I you're think able. So. I genuinely stand. don't know how that happened, like how that happened, but I just woke up and I was like, I'm probably going to take like an atomic poop. But after that, like, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> You well, I'm glad you have fun. Welcome to 26. Uh, glad Ooh. you're back. Yeah, thanks. What did I do recently? I feel like I don't have any stories to tell. The stories that are to tell, <laughs> we will be weaving into the episode itself. So let's hop to it because there is much to get through. And this is even with you deciding we're not going to talk about red carpet looks because that definitely would have added what, like maybe 15, 20 minutes. So long. Yeah. Yeah. So first, actually, it's ironic because I'm, of course, starting off the news, but I wanted to hear what your thoughts were on the State of the Union that was delivered by President Biden on Tuesday because I did not watch it this time. And you know, I'm kind of glad I didn't because I I don't think he's a good speaker, as we've talked about before. And I got what I needed to get from highlight reels the next day. So, but I know you were watching it live because of work, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me and my coworkers are watching it live. And I will say, I don't know. I don't know if he was like feeling, I don't know what type of energy was in the room, but we like, we're in our group chat. We were like, this is going to go down as probably one of his, one of the best state of the unions that we've had in a long time. Oh, really? Like, and I it was missed really, it? Well, that's you, boo. <laughs> I'm trying to think what um, was I doing instead? I think I was just on my couch anything? watching a movie and that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think this was probably one of the best and probably like one of his best speeches. Cause yeah, like he's not really a great speaker, but he had a really good night. And, um, and I will say like, he, he was, he was up there, he was saying stuff, but here's the thing. Um, it's the state of the union. The state of the union is just an address. It doesn't necessarily always come with direct action. Yo. So, of course, he's saying he said a lot of good things, but, you know, it's up to him and our new Congress to actually make those things happen. But the funniest part was that he basically like tricked Republicans into like cheering for like um, supporting like Medicaid. And <laughs> it's actually funny. How? He was like he was like, well, some Republicans like want to end these types of programs and they all started booing and he was like and he kind of like looked at them like you know regina george like so you agree we should keep these programs <laughs> and it was just oh. kind of like <laughs> that's so funny. yeah and he basically too would like outline things that were like directly related to like uh defunding the police and like just uh, like things that we all have like progressive ideas but he kind of outlined them in basic ways that like he got unanimous cheering from both sides and so it's kind of funny the way he like he really finessed them um, interesting yeah he didn't do too horrible i will say today when i was writing all of our like response comms i so i had like the the white house like posts the like full transcript of the entire speech so i was using that to like like I was just searching words like democracy and then like refreshing my memory on everything that he said. And one of the things that he kept saying was um, we have to finish the job. And so I was like, I want to know how many times he said that. So I did like a command F like find search for finish the job. He said that 14 times in the oh entire <laughs> It's because he's trying to tee up. I wouldn't be surprised if his 2024 announcement is actually really soon because it makes sense that if he if he knew that he had to deliver a really good address to bolster people and get them fired up for like a positive reception to a 2024 announcement then he would do it you know so i would not be surprised if that's less than a month away like a formal announcement and that's mm -hmm. why he probably alluded to finishing the job a lot because he's basically saying okay if you want it's a little annoying because he, he's saying like if if you know, if you want to give me more time to do the stuff I said I was going to do, then vote for me again, which is annoying because yeah, let's be frank, he hasn't really gotten that much done. And to be fair, not a lot of it's rare for a president to get a lot done in a term, which is kind of sad. But, um, you know, there are, of course, some caveats like the student loan situation is just completely up in the air. So we can't count that as something he's actually done. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's interesting to hear that he performed 
well yeah it was a good speech and paul i texted you this paul pelosi made an appearance like we talked about this what was it literally just last episode how he hasn't been seen in the public eye since his attack oh yeah he was there at at the state of the union when biden actually said like oh my friend paul pelosi homeboy was an absolute drip you guys he had like a jacket he had a little fedora on we were like paul pelosi (laughs) Hold on, I'm looking it up right now because I didn't actually. Hopefully, it's easy to find. Did he have any like bandages or anything? Or no, he was no, he looks fine. Yeah, and he was sitting next to um, what's his name? Okay, this is not an absolute Um, drip, Bono. Okay, for an old man, yeah, he was sitting next to Bono. He's just wearing a suit with an Indiana Jones hat on. That's not as yeah, it's adorable. I, I like the Indiana Jones hat, and maybe that's covering like some head bandage or something, but no, it's just a regular suit, you guys. Oh Don't God, let her okay. mislead you. You guys, um, it was drip for however old he is. Okay. Anyway, yeah, let's talk more about the heckling from Republicans, which is really annoying. I mean, oh my God. I, and like, I feel like it's getting worse every year. Like, even last year, I was like, can you guys shut the fuck well, up? It's like, Trump's this is fault. literally a state of the union. It's Trump's fault. Trump has, like, encouraged oh this sort of behavior. It's very annoying. It's honestly, it comes so embarrassing. really childlike. And, like, this is supposed to be, like, this is the, well, it's not the people's house. That's the White House. But you know what I'm saying? Like, these are the hallowed halls of our country, supposed to be, like, the most important country in the world. And we're booing and heckling and screaming while there's, it's, of the so... it's actually really embarrassing and of course um like you mentioned a lot of them booed when he mentioned that republicans wanted to... and by the way it's not some it's all all fucking republicans and some corporate but then democrats, they booed like... at that so he was like okay yeah no it is all republicans and some corporate democrats like joe manchin and some i guess newly non-democrats like fucking kirsten cinema that want to end medicare and social security or at least Mm -hmm. dramatically cut down on it which of course would screw not just poor people but like the middle class yeah you know and they want to raise the retirement age so i wish that he would be a little bit more accurate in that call out and say all um because it's literally all they're lying if it's not if it's not all of them yeah, uh, they weren't they weren't having it when he said that so it's because they're also sensitive and then of course marjorie taylor green was screaming like liar and and stuff like that uh now i do think biden lies all politicians lie but he wasn't lying about that he particular point about that, uh and let's also talk about her outfit Oh my God. Why we actually were talking that? about that in the group chat. We were like, what is she wearing? Like, why does she look like Cruella DeVille? Literally look like Cruella DeVille. <laughs> if she had like, if half of her hair was black and half of it was blonde, she would look like Cruella DeVille. That would have been a, co- a Cruella DeVille costume. Because yeah. she had like this bizarre fur collar around her. I'm like, how cold is it in there? It Clearly it's sense. not. <laughs> it didn't make it. it, I, it I think it was obviously an intentional wardrobe decision to spark some sort of extra attention to her. Um, yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is what you sent me Mitt Romney's little oh my God. rant. He had he about George Santos. hilarious to me. Like, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, fed up. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Mitt Romney, like when he exited the, is the state of the union given in, it's given in the house. It's not the Senate floor. It's the House floor because there's more uh, seats. Yeah, it's the House. It's yeah. the House. When he was leaving the House floor, 
a bunch of reporters like swarmed him and i think did he do something that was caught on so, camera yes it was caught that. on camera and it, it, i don't know if you're familiar with the social media platform bad lip reading they have like yes uh yeah. he actually did an accurate lip reading of this moment that mitt romney had oh, really? with george Santos. he was like i've never done this before but i feel like i have to oh my and gosh george sent or so Mitt Romney come goes up to him and says, like, you should be embarrassed, son. And he's like, oh. and he tells them, like, you don't belong here. Like, you should be embarrassed. Like, wh what? Like, you. he kept saying, you should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. And George <laughs> Santos was like, oh, how proper you are. Like, OK, such a gentleman. Like, they had the most catty little interaction. And so then, yeah, afterwards, these reporters were like, you told him he didn't belong here. And Mitt Romney was like, hell yeah, I said that. <laughs> Why is George Santos still there? Why is he still? Why? This is what I'm talking about. Like, our people, they want to tout our systems so much, but our systems are so fucking feeble that we can't even remove a man from office who literally lied about up everything. Straight up lying. And then Why some of the Republicans removed? are like, and some some of the Republicans are like, oh, that's between him and his constituents. If this was no. a Democrat, y'all would be. Oh my God. Exactly. They, they would be ravenous. <laughs> you know why they're saying that? Because he flipped a seat and they don't want to touch that because they're happy that a seat was flipped. So it's just very annoying. He should not be in office with all the lies. No, but of course, apparently it's impossible to remove someone. But you're right. If it was a Democrat, it would not be impossible. It would have happened already, probably. Very annoying. But yeah, that exchange was interesting. And then lastly, so I funny. also want to talk about something you sent me, which is um, Trump's response to Biden's State of the Union address. He tweeted <laughs> yesterday because we're recording this on Thursday. Truth social. Truth sorry. social. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We're recording this a day late. No, we're recording this two days late, so it's dropping a day late. But um, I'm kind of glad we did because one, we got to talk about State of the Union. And two, we get to talk about this series of uh, posts. Yeah, it wasn't a tweet. Um, where Trump was praising Biden <laughs> in a also, very humane way, too, like and grammatically correct, I think. Yeah, and and I don't think we talked about this. Did you see he also had like a pretty measured response to the the um, oh, what was the the gentleman who was murdered in Ten Tyree Nichols? Oh yeah, Tyree. Nichols. Did you see his response to that? Oh, that I did not see. He he said that video um. is, that video is horrible when he called out to his mother that sat in media. He literally why did said, he "Watch her." What? I said, "Oh my god, why did he watch her?" I don't know, but like, what's going? What is going on in the House of Commons? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Trump is is not being a raging lunatic this week, apparently. Uh, Maybe he just got like a horrible <laughs> medical diagnosis, and he's going to die soon. <laughs> sorry what you think he's trying to turn his life around that would be interesting. yeah like he's joshua bassett oh my god that's something i don't want to touch <laughs> anyway um yeah so wild time with the state of the union yeah but the speech overall i would say is probably one of the best speeches biden's given us so mm -hmm. if you're interested you could still watch it it's not too long um it was good i have a segue did he talk about the balloon I think so. Yeah. I don't think how he, I don't see how he could have not talked about it. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I, I'm pretty sure he did. 
Well, we're going to talk about the balloon. So <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I'm assuming probably everybody knows. A Chinese <laughs> spy balloon, I'm sorry, uh, weather balloon was spotted <laughs> over somewhere in the Northwest late last week. And on Saturday, it was shot down. Apparently, they allowed it to travel all the way across the U.S., and it was shot down off the coast of South Carolina, which I guess you could argue that they don't want debris. Killing that was anybody. basically it. That Biden told, told the up. military they could shoot it down, and the military said, no, let's not, because it could literally kill someone. It, they, it was apparently the size of three buses, um, which crazy. is large. But yeah, so it floated all the way across the U.S., and, and Saturday it was shot down uh, into the Atlantic Ocean. And so there's, this is a whole saga. I have a bunch of notes I'm going to just go through. So turns out that Friday, the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, or Antony Blinken, sorry, was supposed to take a trip to China and he postponed his trip after this balloon was spotted. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's been a bunch of speculation, of course, that China sent the balloon on purpose, but some doubt that they were trying to provoke the U.S. when they knew that a top diplomat from the U.S., the Secretary of State, had a trip planned. And there, that does make sense. Like, why would they do that when they know that, uh, I don't know, stranger things have happened, I suppose. China <laughs> has responded and said that this balloon was a meteorological research vessel, which was blown off course. And they expressed, quote, strong dissatisfaction and protest over the downing of the balloon. Also, a quick note, I don't remember the source on this, but I, they were talking about it on the Young Turks podcast. Apparently, during Trump's presidency, three of these balloons flew over the U.S. and they weren't shot down. And also, like, why didn't we hear about it? We're just hearing about it now? Interesting. Interesting. And we have updates today, actually. We got oh, updates, updates from the State Department. These are bullets that I wrote down. Okay. So it says high resolution imagery from U2 flyby showed that the balloon was, quote, capable of conducting signals intelligence collection operations and that its equipment was, quote, inconsistent with that of weather balloons, like China claims. The balloons are part of what the official called a fleet of balloons developed to conduct surveillance and flights are often undertaken at the direction of the Chinese military. The U.S. has identified what it believes to be the manufacturer of the balloons, and it says that they're an approved vendor of China, China's People's Liberation Army, the PLA. And the U.S. will apparently be looking into taking action against, quote, entities linked to the PLA that supported the balloon's incursion into U.S. airspace. Ooh. Here's my thoughts on this. Um can we please just forget about the balloon? Because I really don't think we should <laughs> enter into a war with China right now. <laughs> I really don't think entering into a war with China over a fucking balloon would be wise. That would literally collapse the world economy. Please don't do it. <laughs> Let's be smart. Yeah, you, well, I feel like that think? was a problem too. They were like, oh my God, this is so aggressive. Like, why? Also, I don't know. To me, I'm like... <sighs> Why would they send this balloon? Like, we can see it. What was the thought process behind no, a balloon? That's what I'm thinking, too. Like, I'm this Why feels is this so a weird tactic? to say. Yeah, this feels so weird to say, but I'm kind of actually inclined to believe China when they say that it was blown off course. Cause you're right. It's like, why 
in what world would it make sense to have it flow fly so low? It was flying at the time it was shot down. It was flying at half its its typical um, altitude. Usually it flies at like a hundred thousand feet, and it was flying at sixty thousand feet. So like, why would why would it be made visible on purpose? Like yeah, if they've like, got this down to a it? science, then I don't understand why. I I don't know, man. I just, um, I was a little antsy about it. Not going to lie. I was yeah. like, we oh should not God. tempt the second superpower of the world just because of balloon. Yeah. You know what kind of weapons they got that could fuck us up? Hackers? Yeah, for real. And it's like, I don't want to get fucked up. Get anything? Probably not. Yeah. Like, was it worth it? That's what I'm not even going to lie. Like while we were waiting for a decision on what they were going to do with this thing, I was just thinking like, Oh God, I really hope I'm not going to be reading in a history book like 40 years from now. <laughs> the balloon if only, started if, the war. If, if only the US hadn't shot down this this <laughs> weather balloon. Like, what if it was discovered to actually be a weather balloon or something? <laughs> and then and then the US shot it down and that <laughs> misunderstanding is exactly like <laughs> come on. I know we're that's not really that funny and we're joking about it, but uh yeah. I hope this blows over because it kind of gives me anxiety, not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean tensions not are already good. high with China. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I think I did see where Biden said something to the effect of like, we want competition with China, not conflict during the State of the Union, which I think is a good line. Cause mm-hmm. yes, that's true. But hopefully it was enough to sort of like ease the the tension. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Anyway, let's talk about the Grammys. Okay. Segway. Yeah, great segue. (laughs) Okay, so the Grammys happened. I think I said I was going to watch it, but I actually didn't end up watching it. um, Me neither. Because I was just kind of like, the things that I want to see, I could just YouTube. I'm not going to spend all this time of my life watching. (laughs) Sorry, you guys. I was busy. I have plans. <laughs> but here are just some highlights. Beyonce, of course, broke the world record for most Grammy wins of all time. Incredible. Amazing cou- for her. A couple how- of things to note. How would you feel if you were getting the record for the most Grammys of all time and motherfucking James Corden is the one to award you the Grammy that pushes you I over be, the edge. Dude, I would literally, I would be like, this guy? <laughs> no, I agree. I would be upset by that. I would be upset by that. I did think it was funny, though, how, it, did you watch the video of her winning? <laughs> she started yes. standing up before her before name was they even, even said called. Beyonce. Now, granted, like, James Corden, and he was building it up. He was like, we're witnessing history. History. And she's history like, oh, okay. in the making for the most and so as soon as he started saying like the most they cut to her and she just like slowly backed up her chair and started rising and then he was like it's beyonce and she was already like hugging jay-z yeah she said so it's me i'm that girl i'm that girl um highly appreciate that she thanked the queer community in her speech because of course low-key we propelled renaissance to higher success it's built on foundations of queer music why are you all mouth agape what happened what happened is sure he just belched like the loudest oh, verb i've ever i ever wish heard. we could and hear I that wish, in the mic oh my god it was so funny it was like <laughs> man 
that zoom suppression Sorry. is working too hard sometimes you know i was like what the hell yeah um <laughs> another thing speaking of her queer community shout out when i don't know if you noticed this but when she was thanking the queer community as soon as she said that they cut to a reaction from taylor swift and i like to think that that was on purpose what <laughs> it probably wasn't but that was so funny to me that as soon as Beyonce thanks the queer community, it cuts to Taylor Swift. And the they audience. were like, see? <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. And lastly, I think this is the perfect opportunity to address that we, meaning myself, Ely, and Nick, and praise be unto Nick for doing this for us. We are going to Beyonce's Renaissance tour. In August. I can't believe it, you guys. Nick I managed still, to I, get us tickets. It still, like, really hasn't hit me. Who was I with? I was with someone. J- uh, oh, Nick. I was... White Nick. I was, with, I was with White Nick, yeah. And I was just like, sorry, Nick. I have, like, 33 unread text messages right now. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. So I, like, <laughs> opened my phone and I, like, started scrolling. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, we would be talking again. And I'd be like, I'm sorry. I just let me stop you right there. <laughs> and then I'd be like... It's just hitting me again that like I, I, I'm I'm literally I when when you texted me and you were like would you be down I was like yeah but in my head I was like we're not getting fucking tickets like, <laughs> there's no way and there's no way that they're gonna be in budget too I was like in budget within our budget and like available I was like there's no fucking way so I was like yeah yeah let's go see Beyonce guys. <laughs> Oh God. I but think technically we went a little answer. over budget with the fees, but um well base price though was within our budget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, yeah, that was, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I was yeah. thinking when you oh, asked okay, how much money okay. you spent. Like okay, that was yeah, yeah. 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 So um we're going in early August. We're going to the second night of her Washington, DC, actually technically Maryland performances. Um mm-hmm. that stadium, FedEx Field that it's in, is fucking huge did you know at one point i think for like eight years or something it had the highest capacity in the nfl really it used to be able to hold ninety thousand people and now i think it's down to 67 after renovations or something and obviously it'll be less than that because i'm you can't sit behind the stage but um a lot of people gonna be there and it's funny just i was doing just research into this because i was curious (laughs) and i was looking into the like box office performance of um uh her formation tour and it shows you like uh the amount of seats sold versus capacity of each venue she literally sold out every single venue on that tour wow. so yeah gonna be a lot of it's people hopefully it won't be, be too hot because it's gonna be august it's in the dmv no i was thinking that too i was like <laughs> hopefully not too humid fingers yeah. crossed but um very exciting obviously we've both never seen her perform before nick hasn't seen her perform before it's gonna be great yeah it's gonna be crazy i'm just, i can't fucking wait all the dc gays are gonna be there yeah and this is like it's like a party <laughs> album so it's gonna be like a party it's gonna be night. so fun yeah i already Please. have i already have like ideas for super <laughs> really? outfits so um <laughs> we'll talk about that yeah we'll talk about that um who do we think or who would we like her opener to be? The last tour was DJ Khaled. I don't want that. No. 
I would live if she got like Chloe and Hallie or just Chloe or something. Oh my God. That would be so fun. It could be. She has a close relationship with them. Exactly. Oh my God. Imagine it's Chloe. Honestly, you said that. And I feel like it's, it could be, it could very well be Chloe. That would be Ah! incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Let's let's cross our fingers for that. Yeah. Okay, so, so just anyway. some other things that happened at the Grammys. Um, this I know, and I feel like I have to make it. I have to say it because I've been getting so many text messages, Slack messages. Everybody's been asking me, <laughs> "What are your thoughts on Harry Styles winning Album of the Year?" Let me give you my thoughts. Okay, <laughs> I too was shocked. I actually, again, I wasn't watching. I was actually like with someone, so I wasn't like checking my phone. And then I got home, and I was like wait what here's the thing i will say i think harry's house definitely deserved to win best pop album or whatever the fuck yes i agree totally it was a great pop album um and i think honestly even though he didn't win i think he deserved to have won song of the year for as it was considering how just huge that song was and still is i think it's still within the top 10 of the billboard hot 100 and that song came out in may um so i feel like that there an argument could have been made but you guys harry's house (laughs) album of the year come on now (laughs) you gotta be kidding me and here's the thing i'm not saying it wasn't a good album it was a great album all the albums in that category were great albums but you can't tell me that harry's house in comparison to even like adele's album or renaissance of course is the argument that most people are making yeah I was shocked and I hate and I I I feel bad because I feel like even Harry himself wasn't expecting to win. I mean, I'm sure of course he was happy to accept the award, but I feel like there's no way that man went in there was like, um, I got this shit wrapped up. Can um, we can we talk about the people like Yeah, me? I'm getting there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> You guys hear this white man always okay, trying to cut me off? Be more specific on your outline then. So I know you're not going to miss it. Okay. How how could I miss this? I oh don't my know. God. Okay. You said you didn't watch Shut it. Up. I'm, I'm muting you. I'm putting you on mute. Oh my gosh. Oh, fuck. I keep forgetting. Can't do it. <laughs> okay. So, and this is, uh, so like Zach alluded to, one of the reasons why I think he wasn't expecting to win was because his acceptance speech was weird as fuck. He said, um, this just doesn't happen to people like me. And here's the thing that makes me laugh because it's like, <laughs> what did you mean by that? <laughs> it's like, no, really. It's like, what did you mean by that? Um, you're a white man. Period. <laughs> this actually happens to people like you a lot. <laughs> um, um, but here's the thing: as someone that actually like knows. Like, like that no stuff about Harry Styles as an artist. Like, I totally get what he, like, why he would like think that in his head. Cause I feel like when he says people like me, he's thinking like someone that came from somewhat humble beginnings. Like, he used to work at a bakery and like he got rejected from the X Factor and now he won album of the year. So I'm sure in his mind, he's like, wow, this doesn't happen to people, you know, that came up the way I did. But it's like, babe. Yeah. When you're on a stage and most of the audience doesn't know anything about you and you say, this doesn't happen to people like me. 
I feel like if he would have written this speech down, somebody would have been like, yeah, don't say that. But so that's why I feel like he wasn't even thinking he had a chance to win this award because he just went up there and was riffing off the tongue. It's like, yes. my guy, there's no way he would have said that if some, if like somebody else would have like checked his speech beforehand. Like, <laughs> no. there's no way. So, yeah. And then another thing is too, I feel like a lot of people, there's like, I feel like there's, it's like, again, the online discourse, the two, there's like sides, people are saying, people on team Harry, like feel bad for him because everybody is like, Beyonce should have won. And then of course there's people that think Beyonce should have won that are just like absolutely shitting on Harry Styles. Um, But it's just like, you guys, this is the Grammys, who cares? Beyonce has the most grammys of all time i don't even know if she cares that much i think she deserves to win album of the year because she's yeah what's it gonna take constantly snubbed in that category constantly exactly but at the end of the day i'm sure she's not like going home crying about it well she went no. home in snow she, angels in her grammys in her money too like i mean <laughs> but right it's... and that's the thing people are like oh my god i feel so bad these people are millionaires yeah <laughs> They're winning awards for singing. Please. Why do we feel bad for them? For what? I don't know. But I do wonder like what's it going to take? I'm still shocked that she did not win for lemonade. Beyonce to be white. That's what it's going to oh. take. Sorry. Not sorry. Beyonce never wins in that category. And it's ridiculous. I'm just like, if I know Lauren Hill was the last one to do it, but I just keep thinking if Lauren, like how did Lauren Hill get to that point where she was able to win i know beyonce and, just can't beyonce's yeah. gotten to that point multiple times where she should have been able to win and like exactly happened. yeah that shit was crazy that shit was fucked up lemonade for sure was is fucked up lemonade's fucked up like yeah that's fucked up um are you done with harry or do you are oh you... sorry that was done with, i'm done with harry i have a couple more things that i wanted to talk about that happened at the grammys well i have a question did oh, you hear okay. about because we were talking shit about his performance, which I did watch of as it was. Did you hear about what came out about it, which makes me see? Yeah, it in a that like light? the the turntable went the wrong way. There was a lot of issues that just threw off his performance. Yeah, the performance was like uh, so backstory, you guys. I was not watching the Grammys and Nick was watching the Grammys and he texted me before the Grammys that he thought that maybe Beyonce would show up and do a surprise performance. And then he texted me and said, Beyonce was late. And then he sent me a text in all caps saying, Beyonce has landed. And I took that as, oh, she's performing. So I went to, I went, turned that shit on really fast. And it just so happens <laughs> I misinterpreted the text and Harry was about to perform. So I watched that and I was like, this is not good. Like it is, <laughs> it was not good. It seemed all over the place. He seemed out of it. And then it makes perfect sense when you hear about, I think it was one of the backup dancers that made a TikTok mm -hmm. about how yeah, made that turnstile completely started spinning the other way. And of course they choreographed for weeks and weeks how to do it clockwise. And so when it starts spinning yeah. counterclockwise, I'm sure Harry was freaking the fuck out. So now I I have no right to criticize that, I feel like. Because someone <laughs> fucked up. And I hope someone got fired because that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it and really okay, is. another thing with like, lip reading people had were like watching a conversation he was having with taylor swift after that performance where he basically was like telling her it was actually kind of funny you could see his face where he was saying like it started he was like do you doing his hand motions or he was like it started oh, going yeah. the other way and i went he said i went well <laughs> <laughs> like just kind of was like all right kudos so, to I mean, lip readers yeah, honestly kudos. 
I know, seriously, shout out to the girlies that like to lip read because <laughs> I'm horrible at it. I would never know all this information. So good for him for sticking it out. But yeah, not his best performance. And I feel bad because I've been, again, hyping him up. I'm like, Harry's such a good performer. He's absolutely electric on stage. It was so much fun to watch. And I'm like, he oh. needs a break. He just needs a break. Like stop and with he, the extra shows. Take a break. I was going to say, this is also coming off of like what three makeup shows that he did in LA plus two more that he did for his birthday in Palm Springs. And then he did this, like he needs to relax. Plus he went through all that emotional stress of getting shot on in the wake of don't worry, darling. No. Bro needs Poor a break. Guy. Like he needs yeah. a break. Take a year he off. <laughs> He's not though. He has more shows this year. Oh God. Well, whatever. <laughs> It's fine. Whatever makes him happy. Okay, really quick. I just wanted to go through two more things from the Grammys that I wanted to talk about, um, which I said this to some people and people like didn't believe me, but it's true. Lizzo is the first black woman in this century to win record of the year. The last person, last black woman to win that award was Winnie Houston in 1994. That's crazy to me. That's crazy. It's 2023. Yeah, that's wild. Crazy. I know, shocking. But Lizzo, her and her speech where she was all excited and Beyonce, that was just so fucking cute. I love yeah. them. Um, okay, and then Kim Petras is the first trans woman to win the award for best duo slash group performance with Unholy collab with Sam Smith, which I don't know if we've talked about that song. I'm over it. <laughs> I'm over it. Sometimes Nick gets an earworm and starts singing it and I have to say, no, <laughs> shut up. Because, yes, it is catchy, but that does not mean it is good. We can yeah, celebrate a victory in terms of representation while not praising the song because it I don't think it deserves it. <laughs> it's I, not. I, I, yeah, I hate I hate to say it, but yeah, I'm just, <laughs> it came out and I was like, really, you guys? Yeah. Um, but you know what? Good for good for those two. And you I also over... really appreciate that Sam Smith, like, let Kim Petras be the one to accept the the award. Oh, they did. That's really nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you skipped yeah. over the Bonnie Raitt thing. I know. I was going to talk about it, but I was trying to save time Ugh. by not talking about it because I, I, you know, unless you have unless you have feedback, I don't know. Bonnie Raitt see... won Song of the Year for Just Like That, and it was a shock to everybody. Did you see the videos of it? I feel kind of, of bad. Like it's silence from the crowd, basically. Oh, the I Grammys, did see that. The Grammys have like this huge crowd where like the public can show up, right? So it's this huge arena yeah, of, people. of people and when her name was called it was pretty like, quiet and i feel <laughs> i felt kind of bad even though i i too do not know who she is i'm sorry but go off that is just a weird coincidence not coincidence a weird happening yeah but sure but i feel like this happens a lot with the grammys where people win and you're like who <laughs> <laughs> okay it's whatever yeah. <laughs> all right moving on um beyonce as we talked about announced the renaissance world tour and the u.s government responded by warning Ticketmaster, we're watching you they quite literally tweeted um hold on the senate judiciary committee tweeted we're watching at Ticketmaster." literally oh quote God. tweeting beyonce's tour announcement and that's what they said so Ticketmaster was shaking in their boots <laughs> I saw a headline the other day that it's, quote, going well, but I'm also seeing TikToks where I haven't seen any lately, but with the dynamic pricing, which Ticketmaster said would not be a thing. And I was and this is why I thought that we weren't going to get tickets because because 
when Nick missed the like, well, he didn't miss it. He just didn't get like his registration code from City, or not yeah. from City, from Capital One. Uh, and I was like, okay, maybe there's still a chance. But then I was seeing these TikToks. I'm like, why are things so expensive? Because, like, yeah, tickets for thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's the dynamic pricing because the pre-sales yeah. create demand. And then by the time the general sale happens, the demand is so high because the pre-sales, people show up for the pre-sales that the tickets are too expensive. And honestly, it frustrates me because I think up until this point, dynamic pricing is up to like the artist's discretion. Like they're the ones that decide if they want dynamic pricing or not. And Taylor Swift mm -hmm. actually opted not to do dynamic pricing so that people could get tickets to her show and it still went to shit. Um, so yeah, like irritates me when people do that. Cause it's like, like, can we just have a flat? It's, it's ridiculous. I know. Can we just have a sale? How about that? How, remember the day when things would just go on sale and you could just, yeah. But also <laughs> I have to call people out on TikTok because people were also operating under a set of assumptions based on prices that were, I don't know if they were leaked or just posted for like Europe dates, so everyone on TikTok was like, oh my God, Club Renaissance, which is like that inner circle with the bar. They were, everyone was like, they're only like $450, $450. And I was, the whole time I was like, babe, just because that's what they are for like Switzerland does not mean that's what they're like. If you do the math, that does not mean that's what they're going to be in the US. Why are we all expecting that? And of course, well, everyone's also like $1,000 for Club Renaissance. Also, tickets to concerts in Europe are actually just generally cheaper for exactly. whatever reason. So somebody actually said this on TikTok. They were like, I never buy concert tickets to see an artist that I love in the U.S. I always go overseas because like it ends up being the same price and you get a trip out of it because like the tickets are just significantly cheaper to go somewhere else than they are to buy tickets here in the U.S. And I'm like, that's crazy. That's so stupid. It doesn't surprise me. It's the U.S. Probably because they know that we're dumb enough to be like, buy the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Oh. Okay, so that happened. And then today, uh, Rihanna uh, and Apple Music had a press conference about her halftime show on Sunday. And she gave us a little sneak peek because so I'm just going to read her quote. Oh, she said, did she know? Well, um, well, you know, well, I'll read it. Mm -hmm. She said, it's going to be a celebration of my catalog in the best way that we could have put together. We're trying to cram 17 years of work into 13 minutes, but I think we did a pretty good job of narrowing it down. There were probably about 39 versions of the set list right now. We're on our 39th. Every little change counts. So at least we know she's working on it. <laughs> so this tells me not to expect new music, not a surprise single performance. And I just think, I, I don't work in the industry. I don't coordinate halftime shows. I'm not Rihanna's manager, but I'm just a little surprised about how this is all going down because in my mind, and I'm not even like, I'm not even like a, a huge fan. I'm a fan, but I'm not a huge fan. There's been zero hype for this. There's been no visuals, no single, not even the announcement of a single, announcement of an album. I'm going into it with zero hype. Besides just the the prospect of Rihanna doing the halftime show, and I yeah, think that's weird. Under wraps, like, I think and normally weird. when artists are asked to do, like I'll say, not last year, but the weekend, I think it was the year before, we knew it was going to be like a big like after hours performance because like that was the album he had just released. He was about to go on tour. Like 
we kind of knew what the vibe was going to be but this yeah. is like yeah rihanna hasn't released new music in Forever. years <laughs> um and she doesn't seem like she's going to um so but people are speculating that she's going to announce a tour from after what? this performance and i'm just like okay with what <laughs> yeah for what when's the last so, time we I even heard know. her sing live <laughs> <laughs> no i mean like live like when's the last time she performed i don't know dude that's weird know, dude. i just feel like it, she had to have had something to for them to like act like, I don't really know how it works with, like, how they get acts for this show. But I feel like they yeah. wouldn't ask someone that just has absolutely nothing to give. Like, I feel like there's going to be something. It might not be what we want. But, like, I just <laughs> don't understand why they would ask Rihanna, of all people, to do this if, like, she wasn't promising, like, something. I don't know. That's true. It's well, it's this Sunday. We'll fun. find out. Do we think there will be a gesture towards Colin Kaepernick? Since she was such a staunch defender of him. Maybe. And didn't she previously turn down halftime performances because of him? Maybe. I don't remember. Um, but I it's possible. I think it's definitely possible. Um, I also was wondering if she's going to bring a guest because it's it's There's like it's like guest. it's like traditional. There's always yeah. a guest, but like the weekend didn't bring a guest. Well, that was that was like we were really in the pandemic and there was no, there was like a really reduced crowd too. That's true. So last year's performance was so fucking good though. Oh yeah. Woo. The hip hop uh, collective. Amazing. I don't even know what you would call them. Icons. <laughs> I well, literally icons. It was amazing. That was, I'm shoot. I'll turn it on right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out in a few short days. So. Okay, speaking of hip-hop icons, um, Billboard and Vibe magazine released their list of the 50 greatest rappers of all time. And I just would like to read some of them because some of them I feel like are on par, but then like they have Drake on this list higher than Snoop Dogg. Interesting. Um, okay, so number one is Jay-Z, which I feel like a lot of people what? share that um, sentiment. Really? Yeah. Number one? I feel one? like that's not far off. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> where's kendrick kendrick's number two. Oh, okay nas is number three tupac is number four eminem's number five we have biggie number six lil wayne is number seven drake is number eight and then snoop mm. is number nine we have Nicki minaj at number 10 Nicki should have um, been higher i think i feel like Nicki should be higher and snoop should be higher snoop should probably be in lil wayne's spot to be honest with you yeah, that's very interesting. I, and then I, just mm. some they so they released the top twenty um on this graphic and like some other notables like Kanye's at eleven, Andre three thousand at number twelve, J Cole's fifteen, fifty cents at number seventeen, Ice Cube at eighteen, Missy Elliott at nineteen. I was gonna ask who the next woman was, and Missy I guess Elliott. that's a good pick. Yeah, interesting. I, feel I like don't agree with Jay Z, but, too, but sure. Yeah. Okay. Who would be your number one? Kendrick. Kendrick. I mean, the talent is undeniable. I know the talent is undeniable. Yeah. So. But I don't know. I feel like Jay Z goes way back. So maybe you're just not as well versed with his discography as you should mm. be. He cheated on Beyonce. <laughs> I mean that that's a huge issue too. That is a huge issue, and it's like 
How fucking dumb are you? What possessed you? Whatever. We won't get into it. That's insecure men cheat on secure on women. Beyonce and she fucking flamed your ass with a whole yeah. album. And she kept bitch. you. So yeah. like that's that's almost more embarrassing that she that's, was like, yeah, you know what? You I'll be, forgive that's you. That's probably why she stayed with him. She was like, it's so humiliating for you. Like, <laughs> this is better for me and for you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, are we ready for entertainment discussion? Yes. I have some Grammy segues built into this that kind of like, you know, they edge into entertainment territory. So we have another EGOT because of the Grammys and that's Mm -hmm. Miss Viola Davis. Viola Davis. She won at 57 years old for her, uh, she won a Grammy for best audiobook for her memoir. And, uh, she is the. 18th person to receive EGOT status, the third black woman to do so. Um, and these are her accolades. She has her Emmy for How to Get Away with Murder, an Oscar for Fences, and she has a Tony, two Tonys for King Headley II and Fences, which is funny. Uh, <sighs> and one thing I would love to know, I don't know if you watched the clip of this, she did not do the Annalise Keating walk when she was walking up into the stage. <laughs> No, and by she did not, I mean she did, and meaning I can't believe that she did that. <laughs> Have you seen the clip? She dead I ass. Seen the clip. She dead ass was walking onto the stage like Annalise Keating. Oh my god! And for those of you don't know so what that funny. means, look up a video of Annalise Keating, which is Viola Davis's character. Um, she does this weird ass walk with like normally there's a purse in one hand and she's acting. It's like, like the black person. lunch lady walk, but <laughs> with lawyers. It was so funny. Um, but we're very proud of her and we love her. And some people are pointing out that this is kind of like great karma after she was egregiously no, snubbed totally. for best actress nomination at the Oscars. I was thinking, I was thinking that too. I was like, good for her. He's like, and what, Andrew Riseborough? I think Andrea Risebo has a silence, meaning she has nothing. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, (laughs) and also Grammy segue, of course, we have some conservative reactions. Oh my God, (laughs) these motherfuckers. So Sam Smith and Kim Petras did a performance of that horrible song, Unholy, at the Grammys. And it really wasn't that bad like there was satanic imagery quote-unquote but it was the extent of it was like devil horns basically who cares like come on so of <laughs> course um some conservatives had things to say ted this cruz is, was like my eyes this, this is what ted <laughs> cruz had to say um so he was sharing a he loves sharing posts from other people and commenting on them he shared a post from political commentator Liz Wheeler, and Liz Wheeler said, don't fight the culture wars, they say. Meanwhile, demons are teaching your kids to worship Satan. I could oh my God. And upon this sharing, Ted Cruz said, this ellipsis is ellipsis. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> oh, God. They care. Oh. It's like, Ted Cruz, you're going to hell anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You, you're going to hell for sure, bro. You're going to hell for no, sure. I would hope so. Sure. And then <laughs> Matt Walsh, who I feel like I was just talking about recently. He's also another right-wing political commentator. He tweeted this long diatribe. It's not surprising to see a satanic ritual at the Grammys. 
Satanism is the worship of the self. <laughs> Much of modern pop music is satanic in this sense. Leftism <laughs> is Satanism. The only change <laughs> is that now they're being more explicit about it. Theological Satanism is not very common, but the worship of the self, what we might call secular <laughs> Satanism, is the predominant religion in our culture. And most of the art we produce is meant to preach this gospel. Oh my god, I love it. Takes me out. This, oh my god, we are living in a satire. This is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and they write that Satanism. they're so dead ass. They no, write they're that being they're so dead yeah. ass. Like they don't even they don't even laugh. <laughs> the the only people, the only conservatives you shouldn't believe are being honest are the people at Fox News. Because I there's no fucking way that tucker carlson buys all the shit he says i think they're doing it for tv but anyone else like people like matt walsh and politicians they have nothing to to like they don't they're There's, not trying to get ratings you like guys they're dead, they're ass. dead ass like they yeah. really think that they wrote that with their whole heart yeah no it's wild <laughs> the delusion over okay. unholy on yeah i can't you guys <laughs> i can't i can't anyway let's move on AMC, heard of them? Ugh. The theater chain? So they're launching Shit. this new ticket pricing initiative, which is based on seat location in an auditorium. And it's kicking off tomorrow at select AMC locations in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City. If Kansas City seems random to you, that's where they're based. So I think that's why they're doing it. Uh, and it will be, this article says will be, not might be, will be expanded to all domestic AMC locations by the end of 2023. Oh, and basically what this means is there's three different seat pricing options now. The first is standard, which is like, they're the most common seats. The prices aren't going to change. Like that's what you're paying for now for any seat in the auditorium. And then there's value sightline, which is basically the seats all the way in the front not the fronts. value sight line um and then there is let's see what's the next one preferred sight line which are seats grouped in the middle so apparently based on preliminary seating maps i've seen like i said the standard that's like the prices as they are now the preferred sight lines are an increase of anywhere between two and four dollars and then the value sight line is two dollars cheaper Again, that is the very fucking front row of the theater. We have your like those seats should your exist. neck is gonna break. The seats yeah. should not exist. Um, <laughs> and I should note that this is basically all a ploy to get more people to sign up for AMC A list, which is like the it's like what I have with Regal Unlimited, where you pay one price per month and you could go as many times as you want. Because if you are an A list member, this doesn't affect you. Like you, you still have the same experience picking seats. But I just well, hate this because capitalism. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I feel like in the long run, it's not going to affect that many people who actually go to the movies quite often because those people have pretty much figured out that it is worth it for them to do the rewards programs that the theaters offer. But it's just like so lame and gross and pathetic. It's like, really, you guys? Remember when the movies used to just be like a fun little thing? Remember when the movies were like $10, less than $10? Less. <sighs> it's wild. Like if I want to see, of course, it depends on the location. This is what I also think is BS. Like why I'm getting the same experience. Like I'm talking about like if I just went to a 2D screen, I'm not talking about anything extra. If I went to a theater in like bumfuck Missouri, which cost, let's say 
like literally you guys in the Midwest, like in some parts of the Midwest, like where Brett's parents live, their AMC tickets for evening showings are nine fifty. I'm getting the same experience going to see a movie for nine fifty there as I would paying the the Regal across the street from me. An evening ticket for a two D showing is sixteen dollars. Oh pre, god, pre tax sixteen dollars. It's the same experience. Why so is there a it's price difference? So Don't stupid. let's not get started in New York City. You know how much it costs to go to a Dolby screening in like AMC Lincoln Square? I don't even want to imagine. It's like thirty-two dollars per That's person. That's crazy. It's, it's it actually really bothers me. Like I can I hate it, but I can understand why. Like airlines, for instance, you have different like classes, whatever. But this is stupid. Like just let me see the movie. Like I get it, the theater business is failing, but also. Maybe they're going to do... make more people want to stay home because it's exactly. going to become inaccessible to them. People, people take their kids to the movie. The movies used to be a thing that poor people could do to get out of the house and to do something fun with the kids. And now it's totally not. And they don't get that. They think that their theater business is failing. I don't know why they think that people don't want to go because it's too fucking expensive. In the golden age of Hollywood, you could literally bring a can of soup to the movies and use that as like your currency. Oh yeah. And they keep, <laughs> they, they started checking bags now and shit. Why do y'all got to do yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. So in my mind, it's like, if you want to get more people to come to the movies, keep it cleaner, clean your theater and actually give a shit about people who like talk and are on their fucking phones and vaping in the theater and shit. Like Ooh. that's how you get people to want to be in the theater. Not this. It's stupid. So mm -hmm. don't like that. <laughs> you know what I do like? Very yeah. exciting news that came out today. So I don't know if I've actually mentioned this on the pod or not, but season 15 of Drag Race is currently airing. And I love Drag Race, as you guys know. And this season, they moved to MTV, which is still in the Viacom family, but they were on VH, VHS, VH1 for, from season nine to 14. And when they were on VH1, the time slot was 90 minutes. So the episode was like an hour, two minutes of actual content. And they moved to MTV. And this season, we started out with 16 queens, which is two more queens than the largest cast we've had. And the first episode was a two-hour, like, extravaganza premiere. And then the week after, we have 15 queens. The time slot was one hour. So the episode was 42 minutes. And it was an awful episode because there were only, like, six queens that got confessionals. And it was just, it was so bad. Um, and so when that started happening, it's been happening every week since. There was literally a petition on change.org to bring back the 90 minute time slot. I fucking signed it. I'm not even going to lie. And uh, the Reddit was blowing up. And also a side effect of this was the show that they were making room for is this new show called The Real Friends of WeHo, which nobody cares Ooh. about. Um, and in fact, Untucked used to air right after the episode of Drag Race. And now you have to wait. Now they're making you wait. This WeHo show is over. I haven't even watched <laughs> Untucked this season because I'm not coming back on the TV if I leave it for an hour. That's stupid. And they know that. They it know makes that. no sense. And so after all this uproar, I really didn't think it was going to happen. But you guys, 
they announced today that they're going back to 90 minute time slot, AKA one hour episodes um, starting March 10th. Which is it's, so much better because it, yeah, like the things that are great about drag race and things that make drag race so memeable, it's like they're the, cutting it out. The personalities of the Queens. Yeah. A um, mm -hmm. couple things about this. It's a little disheartening because Real Friends of WeHo is like, it's only six episode runs. So it's ending in a couple of weeks. So this, obviously this makes it easier for them to do once that show is, is gone. Uh, and two, you notice how I said March 10th, that is a month away. So we still have to wait. We have, yeah. so if you include tomorrow's episode, that means this won't be happening until five episodes from now. It's funny. I saw someone tweet. I think they made a typo. I think they meant to say February 10th. <laughs> tomorrow's <laughs> episode of course but no so we still have to wait a little bit and then also people were saying that like look at that point we're gonna have probably like seven queens left and then it won't feel like we're missing out on something with the one hour so Ugh, yeah that's stupid it's kind of a mess and i hope they learn a lesson for season 16 that they won't do this again especially if they're yeah, trying to have like 47 tragic call then Todger Hall thinks that he's a fucking saint for doing this TV show oh, and being like, I'm giving queer people jobs. It's like, oh, okay. Man. Did you Congrats. see? He he made this like handwritten note that he posted a couple weeks I ago. I sent it to you. Oh, yes. Yes. Duh. You sent it to me. I just think it's so funny how he was like, even after our show is over, they will not revert to 90 minute episodes. Joke's <laughs> on you, Todrick. Anyway. Nice. Let's move on. Uh, Austin Butler. So oh Austin Butler was on the Graham Norton show and he said that he will not sound like Elvis in Dune part two, which he is, has a prominent role in that's apparently coming out this year still. And he will soon not sound like Elvis in real life either. He said that he's getting rid of the accent that has confused all of us. We've talked about it before. He said, quote, I'm getting rid of the accent, but I've probably damaged my vocal cords with all that singing. One song took 40 takes. He also said, it made me self-conscious for a second because I thought, am I being phony? Is this not my voice? Bro. Also, just can you, can you why did we need a why did we need a formal announcement for this too? Look at my comment. Do you see my little reference? Oh, hold on. Let me see. Ah. Austin Butler will not sound like Elvis in Dune Part 2. Go down he the bottom. Will, oh, hold on. <laughs> crying <laughs> yes Amazing. call back to that Vanessa Vanessa Hudgens story but which yeah, he is... has since given her her proper credit by the way yes he I don't should know if I that. Yeah, no he but this is it's just weird that he's like all of a sudden he's like oh by the way I'm gonna turn that off so yeah he's like because <laughs> this whole time he was like it's real I can't get rid of it like this is my real voice yeah, now so, you guys and now he's like what? no it's done you're acknowledging that like it's not real huh <laughs> and also he can't even use the excuse that like oh his character in dune made this voice go away because they're done filming dune so and you're still doing the mm, he is phony <laughs> i don't like it do you think he's gonna like win his the oscar absolutely not if he did i'd be shocked it's gonna be <laughs> brendan or colin there's no way he if oh i'd be shocked um <laughs> That's why the SAGs are going to be so important to watch this year. I know. I can't. Because so much wait. is up Dude, in the air. It is. And usually the SAGs are like a good indicator. So, yeah, it's going to be wild. Anyway, one last thing. I know this has been a lot of stories, but a lot's happened. 
So there's a video game that is releasing tomorrow, hotly anticipated video game called Hogwarts Legacy. And this is basically like the game that, that Harry Potter fans have been wanting their whole lives where it's an RPG. You get to make your own student. You get to go to Hogwarts. You get to have adventures. You get to shape your narrative. It's basically what it's like the dream. Um, And it's set pre Harry Potter. So it's set in like the 1800s wizarding world. Um, And it's actually getting really great reviews, which is nice to hear. Uh, And it's, it's been a little bit of a hot button topic actually pre-release because there's lots of discourse around like well if you buy this game you're supporting jk rowling who's a transphobe and all that so trust me the amount of like articles i've seen debating this i want somebody to come out with a report though or to at least clear the air on like how licensing works because i feel like i would love to clear my conscience on this stuff yeah but the story here is that we actually got our first trans character in the whole wizarding world in this game uh her name is where did i write it down serona ryan she's the proprietor of the three broomsticks pub in hogsmeade's village And at one point, she informs the player that her classmates, quote, took some time to realize that she was actually a witch, not a wizard. So I don't know if this is like a direct dig to JK from the Oh, it totally is. It totally is. (laughs) I guess you're right. It totally is. Yeah. It totally is. Because here's the thing. Probably before they even started working on this game, they realized that they were going to lose out on like basically getting their flowers for working so hard on this game because of her and she has Mm -hmm. no involvement in it whatsoever so they were like let's just put the biggest f you jk rowling in here i also think this is really smart because it alleviates like guilt that people might be feeling for wanting to purchase this game because now they can purchase it and be like hey the developer that made this the like they clearly support trans rights because they have trans representation in their game I'm happy to give my money to that. So it's actually smart business in a way too. Um, and I think yeah. this game is going to be wildly successful actually. I, yeah, I hope so. I, I kind know. of, I kind of like- Oh, you want to play it? I've fallen out of love with the wizarding world. Me in, too, which is kind of like, sad. Honestly, I used to be really into it when the films are coming out. I know you do not feel that way, but I love the films and it it's really- <laughs> But been... I love the books and the lore. Like yeah, it was a great, it's but... great. It's really Great world building. It's been like, I would say 10 years since I was like actually into it. But you know how, like I was saying, this is kind of the game that everyone's always wanted. It's almost like the inner child in me is like, I really want to play this because when I was like 12, I would have loved to play a game like this. And now it's here. And it's good quality. Is it coming out? Of- <gasps> it what? is coming out on Switch. Okay. So here's I the thing though, that I feel bad for the Switch owners because- like oh, it's not coming out till July. Y'all's hardware is behind like new gen hardware. So everyone knows for like AAA games like this, it's always going to be like a downgrade in terms of performance and visuals. That's probably why it's coming later because they need to work on it some more. Yeah. But if <laughs> I end up getting it at some point, I'm not going to pay full price for it. Um, yeah. You should come try it out. 
Well, that's exciting. Yeah, that would be cool. I was going to say, I might consider playing something like this um, if it's on Switch, and it is. Oh, and the other thing that I saw, I saw a TikTok that honestly like warmed my heart. Some guy was um, playing the game, and he was saying, oh my god, if they have locks as like a hair on here, like I'm going to scream. And he starts like going through all the black hairstyles, and they did have locks. And he literally went, oh my god, that's me. And I was like, (laughs) No, because that's the thing. Like, it's actually rare for like the types of games where you can create your own character. There's usually like two black hairstyles. Yeah. It's unfortunate. No, they had a lot of black hairstyles and they did have locks. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Good for them. It's a success story. I like to hear, you know, good for mm-hmm. good for uh, Avalanche, I think, is the people who made this. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to pop culture. All right. I have a couple of sports stories to start. Sports? Sports. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually excited to talk about these. Um, You're too much. I'm reading your comment for bullying works, or should I say works? With an E. Oh, on on my Drag Race story? Yeah. Yeah. Because it does. (laughs) Okay. Um, So if you guys haven't heard, LeBron James, you know, a little character we know is LeBron James. Little character. (laughs) He passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the the all-time highest scorer in the NBA. He now has 38,388 points and counting. Wait, really? That's a lot of points. This just happened on Tuesday. The Lakers faced off against the Oklahoma City Thunder in Los Angeles. LeBron went into the game needing just 36 points to break Kareem's record. And Kareem held the record for 39 years. And he was actually in attendance at the game. And it was funny because every time LeBron scored, the camera would cut to Kareem's face. And (laughs) he was making some pretty hilarious faces throughout the night. Like the morning after when I heard that this happened, I went on Twitter and just searched Kareem and started scrolling through all the Twitter like tweets. They were so fucking funny. Like so many like memeable faces that he was making that (laughs) night. It was hilarious. Um, but he did quite literally pass the torch. Like they got a shot of them at the end of the game where like Kareem gives LeBron a basketball or something. I don't fucking know. Um, but then the thing that's funny to me is I looked up the score of the game and the Lakers ended up falling to OKC by three points. <laughs> that's kind of tough. Like it would be nice to have won that game. You're at home and LeBron just the all-time record. Um, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, and I think this is a pretty big deal because I personally feel like we probably won't see something like this happen again, at least in our lifetime. You think? Well, I think LeBron is a very special case for this to have happened because LeBron's basically been pay- playing professional basketball since he was like 18 or 19. So he's been in the league for so long that he's been able to reach this number and that doesn't happen oh, yeah. to most people. So I feel like we it's possible that we won't see someone beat this record. I don't know. I mean, Giannis on the Bucks has had more like playing time, um, has had like more points with less playing time. So I think he could, he could get close. Maybe. I don't know though, but 38,388 and counting LeBron is nowhere near done. So this record is just going to keep getting pushed. That's true. So yeah, I don't think we're going to see somebody beat LeBron's record. Um, but so that's pretty cool, I guess. Good for LeBron. He was just a kid from Akron, Ohio, and now he's doing his thing. Um, another sports story. 
which oh this is so rude of Tom Brady. He announced this literally on my birthday. Disgusting. Um, he made this corny ass little video announcing his retirement again. Um, so as y'all know, Tom Brady announced retirement at the end of last year's season. Um, then he reversed it just like 40 something days later saying he was going to come back and do another season with Tampa Bay. And that was a decision that famously ended his marriage to with Giselle and distanced him from his family and kids. And it turned out to have been a horrible decision because he had a terrible season, <laughs> terrible season, and he couldn't even bring his team to the playoffs, which is really pathetic for someone who is thought to be the greatest quarterback of all time. So he's retiring again, <laughs> <laughs> this time for good. And Giselle commented on his Instagram post, and I couldn't find the comment, but it was so like formal. She Oh, she said something like, wish you all the best in this new journey or something like that. And people on Twitter Ooh. were like, you know, she hates you when they start talking, when they start talking to you, like they're HR. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do we think this was some weird promo for 80 for Brady, which came out this past weekend, well, I mean, which he's in apparently. Potentially he is. Yeah, he is in it. I mean, it's um, about him. So I guess that makes yeah, sense. It is literally called 80 for Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I think it was just also good timing. Like now the Super Bowl's been decided, like it's the end of the season, so he's gonna be like, Hey, you guys are not coming back. Also, um I think he's already signed a contract to start doing broadcasts. So I feel like he probably had to announce that he wasn't coming back in order to be able to announce that he's gonna be doing broadcasts. So oh. when did he post that bizarre mirror picture? Oh my god, it was like <laughs> yesterday or two days ago. He has, I think he has like a brand of underwear and he asked them to send him some and then he took a picture in it and it was very weird, very creepy. Very sure. His, yeah, his very big shady. old age. <laughs> his kids are going to see that and be like, like, imagine, imagine being like a, a pre-teenage child. I don't know. Actually, I don't know how old his kids are, but like your dad is posting like that. That's humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like that's somebody's dad. <laughs> Very weird. Okay. Um, Leah Michelle posted a TikTok saying that she has 265 days to learn how to read. Have you seen the TikTok? No. Why did she say that? Did she think it was a joke? Because no, because Barbara Streisand is releasing a um a memoir set to be published oh, in november so leah michelle said okay i got 265 days to learn how to read. that's funny i like it when people yeah. actually embrace the joke i think she's a good sport about it which is funny yeah so i'll have to go watch that after this mm -hmm. okay the last story i want to talk about is this hilarious these hilarious press photos that have been coming out of ashton <laughs> kutcher and reese witherspoon because it seems like they hate each other they claim like they don't but when you compare them to someone like Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac, who were like kissing all up on each other Ooh. when they were doing promo for their movie, it's like, where's the chemistry? Why should I want to see this movie if you two look like two pieces of bread um, <laughs> in front of the camera? And apparently he claims that if he put his armor on her, people will say he's having an affair. Like, okay. Um, I mean... Also, apparently Mila Kunis put them in a group chat and said you guys need to look like you like each other <laughs> wait really that's really funny mm -hmm. i love me have Kunis. you seen the picture you've seen these pictures oh yeah i mean apparently it's because uh, the plot of the film like they're actually not together that much until the end i don't really know like what is this like a zoom movie or something i don't i don't know but i guess that would maybe make sense 
if they didn't actually film a lot together i don't know oh yeah it says two long distance best friends change each other's lives when she decides to blah 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 blah. damn this is a long synopsis okay so they're (laughs) long distance sure whatever they're long distance best friends it comes out tomorrow i'm not gonna watch it (laughs) i'm probably not gonna watch it either i just feel like when you're promoting a rom-com like you need to like have like you need to show off that you and your co-star have chemistry so that people want to see it like there are so many iconic rom-com duos that had great chemistry during their press tour. And it's like, come on, y'all. Yeah. You were okay. not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's all my pop culturisms. Okay. Well, let's hop into the media moment. It's time for the media moment. And I am going first. I'd like to talk about a film Nick and I saw last weekend. A little film. You might have heard of it. It's a new film called Knock at the Cabin. M. Night Shyamalan's new film. M. Night Shyamalan been busy. So this is, I feel like I need to make the decision whether or not I'm going to talk about spoilers. Do you, are you going to see it? Um. Okay. I I wasn't planning on seeing it because it looked dumb, but I feel like for the sake of the audience, you should have talked about spoilers because that's unfair. Okay. We usually don't. I, we usually don't. Okay, I won't talk about spoilers. Uh, I will have to allude to things without mentioning specific spoilers because my problem with this movie is it's one of those films where it's like, sure, I was entertained watching it. It's, I guess, like well-made for the most part, suspenseful, but I have real issues with it on like an ideological plane. Oh. So for those of you who don't know, it's based off a book. By the way, Nick and I looked up the book afterward. The movie is so much different from the book. Like hmm. wildly different from the book. Interesting. He was reading me like the Wikipedia synopsis of the book. And after yeah. like two paragraphs of synopses, it completely changed. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is nothing like the movie. So if you're a fan of the book, just know it is literally almost a different plot. Hmm. I wonder like, if it's better or worse. Um, the book's a lot darker. Like Ooh. the book is, it sounds depressing. Um, hmm. And I thought the film was kind of depressing, but not in like an interesting way. Anyway, if you don't know what it's about, um, Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge are a gay couple and they have an adopted Chinese daughter named Wen. Um, who's little she's like eight i think and they're spending they're on like a little vacation at a cabin in the woods i think it's like somewhere in pennsylvania and randomly de bautista shows up while when is out uh <laughs> she's catching like crickets or something and he walks out of the woods out of the tree line starts talking to her and then him and three other strangers try to get into the house and once they force themselves into the house and they tie up, um, it's Andrew is Ben Aldridge and Eric is Jonathan Groff. They tie up Andrew and Eric and basically say that you all need to decide someone from your family to sacrifice or the world's going to end. And we've, we've been having shared visions and that's how we know this is happening. Uh, and throughout the film, like they turn on the TV and they're like, oh, like a tsunami is going to happen. And then they turn on the TV and a tsunami happens. So it's, yeah. So it's that sort of deal. My issues, first of all, like it's it's good representation, but it's also not good representation. 
I know that seems like an oxymoron, which it kind of is, but it's kind of sad that just the sheer fact of having a loving gay couple parents too, as like the main characters, just the fact that that's there means something is kind of sad and <laughs> says something about our current state of media, especially like theatrical releases. So it was cool to see that, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, we never see this, especially in this type of movie. Yeah. But at the same time, it's almost like lengths have been taken to strip all romance, all passion out of this couple. And this is a rated R film, mind you. So it's like, this isn't some PG, like, no. And guys, when I tell you, they do not kiss once in this movie. <laughs> they don't kiss in the, there's multiple flashbacks. By the way, we get oh, a flashback. Oh, you're kidding. We get, we get a flashback to a date they're on. We get a flashback to when they adopt their child. You're kidding. And this is this is probably the hardest thing for me to dance around in terms of spoilers. There is a very sad thing that is happening towards the end that's hard for both of them there's no physical affection that's happening. Like, let's just say they're fearing for their lives and there's no hug, there's no kissing. Like, both of them are scared that they might be about to lose the love of their life and there's not even a smooch. What? <laughs> Again, it goes to, it's about the character. Like, it makes no sense given that this is like a married, loving couple. It makes no sense. And so besides like, besides the fact that we know they're gay, we know that they're married, we know that they're parents, honestly, besides the stuff we're told, you kind of wouldn't know besides things we're told, you know, when says like my daddy's, but that's all stuff we're told. I found that frustrating. And then another layer to that, and I'm kind of piggybacking off of a really interesting piece. I think it was in Slate. I think it was in Slate. Uh, And it kind of like, put everything I was thinking down on paper it's weird that the word like god is not really used in this film it's weird that you have this group of four people with weapons who are saying oh doomsday is coming blah 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 and it's like the film is going out of its way to tiptoe around the religion discussion and it's not like they're not trying to act like it doesn't exist because the most interesting thing in the movie that is not elaborated on whatsoever is that it's insinuated that Eric, Jonathan Groff, is religious and Andrew is not. Hmm. And if you went pee during one scene and missed that slight exchange, I'm sure you did. Then you would miss <laughs> it. I did not. I did not go pee. But um, before they adopt their kid in a flashback, Andrew says to Eric, you can pray if you want. I don't mind. That's the only mention we get about the, the him being religious and him not. But I feel like that's a big part of their characters because as the plot goes on, Eric starts to think, oh, maybe these people have a point. But it's just frustrating that they're like not using any of that language, especially when we're seeing like the oppression of a queer couple in front of us like there's violence being committed against them and it's weird because they keep saying like the de bautista and his like gang they keep saying 
oh, we're do- like, we didn't know who's going to be here. Like, you're strangers. It's not because you're gay couple. But it's it's just weird. You know what I mean? Like, essentially, you're saying the rapture is coming, but yeah. there's not a single mention of like, oh, God spoke to us. That's basically what they're saying. Yeah. So, like, do you think they, they did that to, like, annoyingly protect Christians? Yes. From- okay. Okay. Yes. It, that's why I think they did it. I think that they were... If I were to be blunt, I think the film is like pussyfooting around some really interesting topics in an effort mm-hmm. to get more butts in the seats because they didn't want to upset people. And I just don't think that makes good art. Like art That's should upset annoying. people and it should make people think. And it's like they had all these really interesting touchstones that they didn't elaborate on at all. And in fact, purposefully covered up. And so at the end of the day, I'm just left with this film that has nothing interesting to say. And I'm probably never going to think about it again or want to see it again. Yeah. And that's that. <laughs> I will say though, Ben Aldridge, he's kind of like an up and comer. You should know who he is because hmm. he was in Fleabag, which apparently you watched all of Fleabag. He's see. he's British. He's really Ooh, handsome. He's cute. No, he's really mm-hmm. handsome. He's so... He might have been. I didn't watch all of season one. Oh, okay. Well, I think he was in Fleabag. But really um, cute, though. Yeah. Yeah, soup's cute. But uh, soup's cute. Other than that, um, oh, and I like the opening. We actually open with when playing in the grass and then Dave Bautista entering, Hmm. and they have like he's like surprisingly tender towards her. But you know, if you've seen the trailers, you're like, well, he's not a good guy. I really like that opening because it's just, we come in at a weird time and we're like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. And then after that, it gets worse. So <laughs> interesting. I would not recommend. Yeah, honestly, wasn't planning on watching it just because the plot seemed like so stupid to me that I was like, I think Shyamalan is kind of falling off for me. <laughs> oh, old was awful. And I'm sorry, like yeah. Robin, I know Robin listens to this. Robin is an M night apologist. And I don't get it. She loves old. And she said she loved Knock at the Cabin. And I'm like, you know what, Robin? You do you, boo. I love you to the ends of the earth. I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> I get defending yeah. early M. Night, like six. Yeah, I was going to say, great. I know like his other stuff is like, yeah, really like smart yeah. and good. But it's like, I don't mm. know. Some of this new stuff, I'm just like, mm. yeah, not a fan. Like I could just tell from the trailers that it looked dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, tell me about your pick for Media Moment. Oh, okay. I'm actually excited. Um, I've, I've been watching. I've been doing it a lot this year, watching new stuff. You so really welcome have. to everyone. Yeah, I'm proud of myself. Pat on the back for really. really. <laughs> um, okay, so my Media Moment this week is You People on Netflix, which, if you haven't seen it, is a like romantic comedy um, written by Jonah Hill. Ooh, I don't remember the other guy's name. Hold Julia Louis Dreyfus is in it. I know that. She is. And Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Um, Kenya Barris. Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris wrote this movie together. Um, and yes, Eddie Murphy's in it. Lauren London is in it. Julia Louis Dreyfus is in it. Nia Long is in it. Like, oh, Nia Long. Great. Mm-hmm. Great wait, folks, great looking folks. Wait, Kenya Barris is he the guy behind Blackish? Oh, I, I think, think he's he in is. Blackish, right? He's in Blackish. No, I think he created Blackish, but he might be in it too. Hold on. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, he is a creator okay. of Blackish. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, and I feel like this, this makes sense too. So basically the whole premise of the story is that, um, Lauren London's character, Amira and Jonah Hill's character, Ezra meet and fall in love very quickly and they get engaged. And then as they're planning their wedding, they try and get their families involved and Ezra is Jewish and Amira is black, like African, like Muslim black. So they try and get their families together involved in like planning all of their wedding and like there's just major culture clashes and it just becomes like really difficult for them. And it's like kind of funny. Um, So, okay, here and here are my thoughts on the movie. I really I enjoyed it. I mean, there are some things that I didn't really love about it. Like one, I feel like. uh Amira and Ezra's romance is not super believable just because it happened. Most of it happens off screen or like it just, oh. they fast forward through it so quickly to get to the like actual point where things start to like, where there's conflict that like their relationship is not that believable because you don't know anything about them and they don't really have a lot of chemistry because like you just haven't seen a lot of them, you know, like it's just not believable, but that's really not, I mean, it is like the focal point of the movie, but it really isn't. Um, another thing that I, I don't know, that's like kind of, I'm just getting fatigued by with like black media. And like, I appreciate that, like it's black people behind these movies, but it's like the black culture is really like, so in your face that it just starts to feel like corny after a while. Like people like like every single like like transition is a rap song everything that they're like showing in la as like a black reference it's like it just is like a lot and it's almost like stereotypical yeah yeah a little bit and Mm. some of the i mean i don't know maybe again like i don't really consider myself like the blackest type of black person but some of the dialogue was a little bit corny too it's just like uh, i don't know (laughs) But like maybe that's how people in LA talk. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but I was like, okay, really, y'all? Um, but it was funny. It was funny. And Eddie Murphy is pretty funny um, as uh, Amira's dad. And Nia Long is her mom. And even, like, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is, is pretty funny as, like, the, like, well-intentioned white mom. She's funny in everything. <laughs> she's, I mean, she's a talent. Yeah. I, I know, love she's her. She's babe. She's really cute. Yeah, she's kind of funny as like this the well-intentioned white mom. Um, but the thing is, I was telling somebody else too, I enjoyed it, but after I like had time to sit with it, I was like, I feel like uh, the only people that can fully enjoy this movie are black people and Jewish people. If you don't know anything about either cultures, you're going to be so confused. You're going to be so lost. You're going to feel so uncomfortable by like the jokes <laughs> that it's not going to be your thing, which I feel like isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, I think black people and Jews deserve like content that's just for them, <laughs> but it's like, people aren't going to enjoy it. If they're just a regular non-black non-Jewish, like they're not going to get it. Um, but overall it was like, it was funny. We had a good little laugh. It was cute. Um, yeah. Well, maybe fun. that explains why it's been getting poor reviews. Yeah. And I will say too, okay, this isn't, I feel like this isn't really a spoiler because like, well, when it's a rom-com and two, like, with these types of movies, you know that there's going to be like a moment where you think, oh, all hope is lost, you know, whatever. So they do break up because of the like unmanageable conflict between their families. And to me, like, 
I saw it coming, of course, because it was like this, that it's a movie. Like they have to break up at some point. But mm-hmm. it was just kind of like when you actually think about the situation, like these two were literally at their rehearsal dinner for their wedding, which means they were days away from getting married. And oh, they were what? like, and they were like, this is too hard. Let's not do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you because of your families? Like to me, if my family didn't like my partner's family, like that sucks. But it's like, I'm not going to not marry my partner who I love because my parents can't get along with them. Like that's stupid. And if there was a rift, then you would have made the decision a hell of a lot earlier. Than, a long like, time you ago. You paid money for your wedding dinner? and shit. Yeah. So like the resolution was cute, but it, and it was, it was so like rom comedy cute. But like, I was like, seriously, like, I was kind of mad that they did that. And I was like, I knew it was coming, but I'm still, that doesn't mean I'm happy about it. Because <laughs> it just feels so unrealistic. And like, they really make it to be like the worst thing ever that the, that their families are like clashing. And it's like, okay, they're really hyping up this issue because it's a movie. And like, that's what the movie's about. But like, in real life, I feel like people would not care that much. <laughs> yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Well, I'm so proud of you for watching a current piece of media. You watched it the week of release. That's a big deal. Yeah. Well, it's because I was at home. My parents wanted, I told my parents about it. They did the thing where I was like, oh my God, have you guys heard of this movie? And they were like, what? No. And then I told them about it and they were like, oh wow, we'll have to watch it. And then I'm in my room and I hear them turning it on. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) I came out and I was like, um, hello. And they were like, oh, you want to watch it? Uh, yeah. That's why I fucking told you about it. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) that's funny yeah oh all right well hey we actually didn't go as long as i feared maybe we would have we're at an hour 38 and that includes the whole zoom not just when we started recording so Mm. yeah we did chat for a bit yeah so we're gonna end now and uh next week will be interesting because we're recording in four days yeah, pre-Valentine's Day. <laughs> we're recording in four days because Valentine's Day falls on recording day. Um, so I have plans. Do you have plans? I'll give y'all a guess. If I, don't even fucking ask me that. I Do I have like, plans? Okay, Valentine's Day is the thing. Whatever. I was asking genuinely. No, I don't have plans. Okay. God damn. <laughs> The couple shaming on this podcast is astronomical. There's honestly not enough of it. Like there really should be more if you really think about it. There should be more. Okay, well, the I've gone I've gotten I've okay. gone soft. I've gotten soft. Well, the other Maybe half of this be- couple is responsible for getting us Renaissance tickets. So <laughs> Yeah, but I mean mm. that doesn't have anything to do with your relationship. <laughs> so right. Okay. Well, um have a good night. And we'll talk to you all next week. Have a good night. Okay, bye.